It's the Daily Maverick Show, Tuesdays, 1 to 2 p.m. on cliffcentral.com. Good afternoon. It's just gone 1 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. That means it's time for the Daily Maverick Show on cliffcentral.com. We've got a special edition of the show this week. Uh, In studio, we've got the beautiful Ranjini Munsami. Welcome, Ranjini. Good to have you back. Hi, Stilly. Nice to be back. And we've got the Deputy General Secretary, Carl Klutter of NUMSA, uh, with us today. Thank you so much for being with us. Good afternoon, and thanks for having me. Great. We, we're going to be having a, a special edition of the show today. We're just going to be focusing on some pretty big events uh, in the South African political landscape from last week. But before we jump into all that, um, we're celebrating the first six months of Cliff Central here. And this whole operation, this whole crazy roller coaster has been going since the 1st of May. And we've laughed and cried and vented together and we've shared conversations. And at the end of the day, we've been each other's go-to people. So six months in, though, we think it's time to come face-to-face. We'd like to know who our readers are. We want to plaster your face across our walls. And getting your picture to us is easier than Kim Kardashian. So in WeChat, go to Cliff Central account and upload a photo of yourself with the hashtag IamUnRadio. On Twitter, include the hashtag IamUnRadio in your tweet along with your pic. And you can also send them via Facebook by uploading it at facebook.com forward slash cliffcentral or email IamUnRadio at cliffcentral.com. Make sure that the photos are high res and obviously decent. Um, all photos will go into the draw and the winner stands a chance of winning uh, and the winner will get 5,000 Rand in cash. So get your best selfie face on and send it to us before the 19th of December. Uh, hit cliffcentral.com I'm unradio for more info. All right, people, send us your photos. We'd love to see your faces up on the wall. Um, as we said, a special edition of the Daily Maverick show. Uh, some major, major developments in the South African political landscape last week. And, uh, and we have the pleasure of the Deputy General Secretary in studio with us this week and one of South Africa's top political analysts in Ranjini Munasami. Um, Carl, before we jump into what are some major ramifications and major <coughs> developments in the scene, um, tell us a little bit about Carl Klitter. Where do you come from? What was your inspiration behind joining NUMSA? Um, tell us a little bit more about the man. Well, thank you. Um, Carl Klitter comes from the Western Cape. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm staying in Johannesburg now since uh, October 2008. And there's probably one thing that Carl Kluter, Irvin Jim, Zwellen Zimavavi has in common in that all of us were born on a farm, so I'm a farm boy, essentially. Which farm was that? Well, it's a farm in the Western Cape, about 350 kilometers from Cape Town. So how how did you make the break from uh, from being a, a, on a farm to joining the Metal Workers Union? Well, I should say that, you know, farm life uh, then and today basically is a brutal affair. Uh, the, the farm owner would subject families to hardship, and I think that's what inspired me, essentially. And generations of families <clears throat> and just Absolutely. perpetuated cycle. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and that was the motivation behind joining, 
joining NUMSA, um, you know, helping. I mean, that's what. I mean, what what is the what is the objective of NUMSA uh, when it comes to the workers? Well, <clears throat> I should say that student life had had also its own uh, contest, mm-hmm. political contest, and I think from school straight into the workplace, I, I probably started working at a place called, called Atlantis Foundries. And that's where I got in touch with the union. And, um, it must be um, quite a break from the slow pace of life on a farm to the militants of NUMSA. NUMSA is by far the most militant union in the country. Um, and it's forever making headlines. And um, how, how does your family contend with all of that? Well, I, I must say it's difficult for any family. <clears throat> I've just returned from four days in the Western Cape, um, having to go back to KZN and from KZN to, to Cape Town again. And so it is very difficult for the family, but I think I've got a very supportive uh, family network who understand that in the life of a trade unionist, particularly in NUMSA, the organization would make many demands on you, and and responding to it is a passion. It's, it's not a slog. Um, <clears throat> so basically, the support of the family is, is very significant because if you, you can imagine, if you don't have that support, you're likely not to... Um, you master all of the things that you've got to do. Uh, the, the nature of, um, of labor relations and particularly um, NUMSA's role in South African society at the moment has meant that your life has changed quite significantly in the past few years. You've gone from being in quite a comradely relationship within COSATU um, and there was quite, quite a, a brotherly relationship amongst uh, the the affiliate, affiliate leader, leaders uh, to now being a very hostile relationship where uh, there have been threats to um, some of the NUMSA leaders, including you and Ivan Jim. Um, and how have you how have you dealt with that? That must have been <coughs> quite difficult personally. Well, one should say that the relationship within Kusatu had always been a very dynamic relationship. Uh, let me start with uh, 1981, four long years of unity talks to be able to form Kusatu. Uh, politically, organizationally, administratively, many of the unions could not see eye to eye on a number of things. So it had been very dynamic, I should say. Uh, when Umsa came into the fold of Kusatu, uh, at the time, there was a huge debate about the Freedom Charter and whether we should be adopting the Freedom Charter. And uh, with NUMSA, or with inside NUMSA, I should say, there had always been uh, different strands, political strands, different tendencies from political, different political persuasions. And inside NUMSA, I think it was only, we were established in 1987, it was only two years later in 1989 that we adopted the Freedom Charter. Mm. In the two years, we had our own battle to persuade and convince each other. 
And uh, by the time that NUMSA had adopted it, uh, Kusatu, um, with the NUM at the forefront, had already adopted the the Freedom Charter. I'm making that point because it was a very uh, uh, hotly contested Kusatu uh, politically for for the direction of the federation. The difference between then and now is that uh, under the leadership of people like Jay Naidu and so on, um, that debate, robust debates, were tolerated. Mm. Uh, there were huge levels of tolerance, I should say, uh, amidst the very hotly contested issues. What you have today, I should be quite honest to say, is a a very Stalinist leadership that would be at the head of Kusatu, but who would be getting their direction uh, from the ANC and the South African Communist Party. It's interesting you mention um, Jay Naidu, who obviously has come under uh, attack by the the current leadership of Kusatu. And and uh, I, yes, uh, yesterday in uh, an opinion piece in the Daily Maverick, um, he has this bit to say which for me kind of struck a chord. Um, and he said, And because working men and women have been betrayed by those elected and trusted, their future looks grimmer than it has at any time since the days of institutionalized racism. Would you agree with that statement? Well, I, I would certainly agree. I, I think in our own statement uh, a week ago, we said that what apartheid could not do in in killing off Kusatu, uh, the leadership of Kusatu has certainly succeeded. We think that uh, Kusatu is in the intensive care unit. Um, from where I stand personally, I cannot see uh, it survive uh, the beyond the ICU um, because there are just too uh, wide a difference of opinion, a difference of um, where Kusatu should be in terms of its founding principles. Um, uh, the gap is, is, is too wide, I think, uh, for the survival or the long-term survival of Kusatu. So Jay Naidu is absolutely spot on. It seems like the problems are bigger than just differences of opinion. It seems almost like there are differences of motive or even, you know, agendas. Of the direction, I yeah. think. Yeah, uh, and, and, and it's gone beyond, or it seems like it's gone beyond opinion. And, and this is a question maybe to both of you. Are we going to look back at last week, in a couple of years' time, we're going to look back at that particular week that has just gone by, as this major defining and turning point in South Africa's political landscape. Maybe, Ranjini, if you could go first. You, you know, um, uh, we, uh, we, I was amongst a group of uh, journalists waiting outside Kosato House for, for that Central Executive Committee meeting to finish. And, you know, it was getting quite wretched out there. To st- uh, we were sitting on the pavement outside Kosato House, so it was like past going midnight. past 10 p.m. Mm. And then, it, uh, so we were sitting out, I and mean, it was quite festive and things. Then it started raining, and the wind <laughs> whipped up, and we were miserable thinking, why are we here? But the, the answer why are we to being that, punished? Yeah, <clears throat> the answer to that is that this was such a defining moment in South Africa's history because 
of the history of Kosatu and the, the role it played in the anti-apartheid struggle and the role it continues to play in South African society over the, over the past 20 years. It has been so significant and so key to the lifeblood of this country. And, you know, we didn't know what was going on in there. And um, it... it, it yeah, I, uh, we waited till they came. The NUMSA dele- delegation came out at about two thirty, and we by that time we were let into the foyer because it was so cold outside. And uh, the lift lift doors kept opening, and we would all you know wa- keep watching <laughs> it, and there'd be no one, there'd be no one. And then eventually it opened, and the <clears throat> entire NUMSA leadership was in that lift, and they stood there for like a second, and we stood behind the glass watching them. And I just had the, this chills, you know. Mm. I just thought. As soon as they come out of this lift, it's over, mm. you know, because mm. we knew what was going to happen. History is unfolding before yes, your eyes. Yeah. Right? Uh, the thing is, well, you know, to their credit, they were in, you know, they didn't come out like somber with long faces. Mm. They looked at us and like looked quite bemused that we were still <laughs> waiting there. And, uh, you know, thankfully they, they, they gave us the, the time of day, so mm. to speak, to like at least speak to us and tell us what happened, confirm that they had been expelled. But even while Evan Jim was speaking to us, Carl was, was standing behind me, you know, you could, you could feel that they had they had come out of battle mm. it, it was clear you could see that they had put up the fight of their lives in there because they knew what was at stake <clears throat> and uh, you know that's what i i want i mean we could only guess you know the level of tension and i asked Evan jim that i said tell us the mood in there uh, but you know he was trying to be diplomatic mm. and not play it all out right there but maybe carl that that's what we can ask you tell us <clears throat> take us inside that room what was it like in there well that's that room on that day uh, could be defined as uh, the beginning or the end of the Cold War, uh, and that, that would have to play itself out uh, <clears throat> for the membership and the broader public to understand. What I should say, uh, the Kusatu Special Central Executive Committees, over the past two years, um, since September 2012 uh, had been a very painful experience. Painful in the sense that despite the fact that you would make uh, constitutional arguments, logical arguments, um, um, repeating the policy positions of the Federation, you just had a sense that people were not interested in the um, articulation or engagement. Um, but people would be looking at, okay, so who, who's speaking? And once you see who's speaking, you develop an attitude, um, almost like an oppositionist stance uh, is the kind of posture mm-hmm. that we've seen. And so it, it had been extremely difficult, I must say, um, how we managed to stuck in there for two years um, is everybody's guess because you would know that in two years we, we have hardly done anything. Mm. Um, we've not been on the campaign trail around any issue that uh, is uh, uh, of significance to members and society in general. Okay, yeah, so in in that room that night you knew that um, the, the, some of the, the na- national office bearers of Kosato, well, most of them, as well as very, you know, leaders of very strong unions, such as the National Union of Mine Workers, 
uh, pop crew and others were determined that you would be expelled and that they would fight tooth and nail to ensure that that would happen. And yet you, p- you put up that, that massive fight. Um, your general secretary, Irvin Jim, spoke for three hours making <coughs> the case as to why the charges were unreasonable. Yes. Well, why, why did you do that? Why did you put up that last-minute fight knowing it would end in, the, in your expulsion? Well, you're certainly right. We were um, aware that the expulsion of NUMSA uh, is, is, is just a question of time. Uh, two things were important. Uh, knowing that we have a mandate from our constitutional structures that we fight very hard to remain in Kusatu and to reclaim Kusatu. And to that end, if it would mean that you challenge the federation in the courts of law, you do that. And so from the outset, we wanted to be certain that every intervention we make, every point that we make, uh, every input we make is on the record. So there's nothing that would make it impossible for us And I must say, um, as clever as uh, these fellows think they are, uh, continuously and consistently they made very glaring mistakes. Mm. You would remember on the 23rd of October was the last day of a three-day special CEC that could not complete its agenda. Um, But before lunch... Uh, there was a motion that NUMSA be expelled. And there was a counter motion that NUMSA not be expelled. And basically, uh, as we as we had to break for lunch, the president, the presiding officer, made a determination. When we come back uh, uh, from lunch, uh, the ballot papers would be ready. The lunch hour probably extended into what was meant to be a one-hour lunch break, extended into well over two hours. Um, With the NUM uh, and the rest of the other affiliates probably being in consultation with either the attorneys or Lutuli House. And as we came back, they pulled back from going to the ballot, suggesting that NUMSA must make a case why it should not be suspended. Now, already on the 23rd and already in February this year, there was an endeavor to expel us. And so consistently they made the mistakes. Irvin Jim presents a three-hour-long um, motivation for why we should not be expelled. And immediately the first one that takes to the floor is the NUM uh, General Secretary Franz Baleni, uh, who made a compelling case for why NUMSA should be expelled. Not dealing with NUMSA's input, not saying, but NUMSA, yeah, you're right, yeah, you're wrong, straight into the expulsion of NUMSA. So it was something that uh, we had seen coming for very long, and that's why probably, uh, Ranjani, you could not have seen the uh, any surprise on our faces because we knew uh, this was in the offing. One of my um, favorite uh, or, or sort of one of the funnier tweets I saw from last week was um, with communists like these, who needs capitalists? <laughs> and uh, and I think if we go back to some of the remarks that uh, Bladen Zamandia has made 
um, some of the um, motions that Gwede Mantasha has uh, has put forward, um, you, you know, you, you could almost say that you know, look at them as orchestrating uh, the the expulsion. How did how did this bad blood difference of opinion come about? You know, um, you know, coming from a place of being <coughs> political allies, and then obviously having this massive fallout. Where where did it all go wrong? Well, this is where things. Uh falls apart um, when uh, Majola was still the general secretary of Nihau a discussion took place in the CEC and it is the NUM and Nihau that puts forward the proposal that Kusatu must make a call on Bladen's Monday as the general secretary of uh, the SACP to be full time in office, uh, and and if truth be told, this did not come from Numsa. You would expect that it would come from Numsa. It did not. It came from Nihau, uh, Majola in particular. It came from the NUM. Once that decision had been, and that decision was unanimous, so you would then find Zwellenzima Vavi articulating that decision. And you would find, and we take it back to our own structures, who uh, is in total agreement that what you need is a full-time general secretary of the party. There are too many issues of the working class that requires uh, campaigns, and the Communist Party as the vanguard must lead all of us. Numsa then joined the chorus of those saying, uh, Blade should re- should remain full time, even and if he drives a one million rand car. <laughs> well, as a, well as that's, a, as that's a communist. What, yeah, that's when he when he went to government. That's what he got. But they are arguing that he shouldn't go to government, so he wouldn't have got the car. Yes. <laughs> so I I think I think that's where uh, probably uh, you know we 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 got into the ring. Um, but I should also indicate that long before. We've argued that the Communist Party should be taking a much more of an independent political role in the country, um, rather than to hang on to the apron strings of the African National Congress. Um, and this we said because since the 1994 democratic breakthrough, um, Madiba was the first to... Uh, suggest that uh, nationalization would not be the policy of the ANC government. Uh, the rest is history, uh, gear and so on. So it was clear to us that the ANC is taking a direction onto the path of new liberal uh, policies and that therefore you need a political party of the working class uh, well, we believe that the SACP was it then, should play a, a far bigger role. In fact, the debate in the party itself um, was the question of what is the SACP's attitude to state power? And there was a huge debate, which resulted in some purges because some argued that the party ought to contest elections, even if it would uh, start so at local government level, um, so that the working class would have a vehicle mm-hmm. 
that would uh, act in its own interest. I think the party just didn't like uh, us making those uh, um, interventions. And so uh, it's a long trail of bad blood, but I think when we made the call for Blade to stay in office and we and we suggested that it would be wrong to change the constitution of the party to accommodate Blade as a general secretary and now have two deputies uh, uh, to him, I think all of that just burst out into the open. Was, were there no attempts to kind of resolve these differences, to, to talk it out uh, with the SACP? You did have bilaterals with them. Why didn't it uh, work out? Well, interestingly, uh, in May 2010, we we had a six-a-side meeting of NUMSA and the SACP. The party delegation was led by Jeremy Crone, and I thought uh, we came extremely close to what we agreed upon uh, in respect of uh, our role and responsibilities in the revolution and the issues that we uh, disagreed. It was a very uh, warm meeting where we could uh, uh, robustly disagree without insulting um, one another. Um, well, since then, the I think the party uh, largely and slowly walked away from what we thought we have as a memorandum of understanding on the issues that we would deal with within Kusatu, within the alliance, um, um, for whatever reason, um, we've never been told. But I, I think it has something to do with the fact that we continue to be critical about some positions and the party thought that uh, perhaps they thought that meeting uh, should be a meeting where we no longer publicly take a particular stance against the alliance. Last December at, the, at your special national congress, you took a decision to um, to break ties with the ANC, basically not to support the ANC in, in this year's election. That was a huge development, and I think it got masked a little, but it didn't. Um, I, I think it didn't have the impact it should have had because it, it came just after Madiba's death and burial, and um, the country was going into holiday mood towards the end of December. But now, I think that th- that decision contributed significantly to what happened now and your your, your ultimate expulsion. That must have been a, a huge <coughs> psychological break considering the, the ANC's role in, 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 in the liberation struggle, the fact that it's 103 years old. It's, it's a quite a, it, you know, mm. it, workers have quite a sentimental tie to uh, the ANC. And for you to say to 350,000 of your workers that we're not doing this anymore, it must have been a huge mm. decision. Well, you're spot on. Um, it was not easy. We had to... Um, you know, tread where I think uh, others had not gone before. Um, firstly, your NUMSA uh, national office bearers, politically at least, um, have never known any other home other than the UDF, other than um, the ANC, others in the ANC's underground, uh, in the SACP. And so from a personal uh, position, it uh, was extremely difficult. Um, It is not difficult to criticize um, political wrongdoing, but I think it is uh, 
most difficult to to make that break. Mm-hmm. Um, we fortunately, I mean, NUMSA is a 27-year-old organization, and we've never seen a split whatsoever. Uh, the Gina uh, attempts uh, to start a new union is hardly considered a split or breakaway because they had left the organization of their own accord. And so, but the the reason for there being no split is that we've always allowed um, the membership of the union to make their own political choices. Um, so we 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 proudly uh, can can say that we would have DA members, IFP members, ANC members, um, and so the union uh, could always hold its own unity on the basis of. Uh, uh, the tolerance for for any uh, other political um, uh, allegiance, um, but secondly, the the fact that um, we had contributed significantly since 1994, uh, we made the calculations and um, we contributed probably to the tune of 63 million rand to the ANC's election campaigns. Uh, and we did so proudly because at the time we we were hoping. We were saying, let's swell the ranks of the ANC. L- let's get the ANC to be more biased towards the workers and the working class. It was a liberation movement, effectively. Absolutely. At, at time, but so. it turned out to be a nightmare completely for the for the workers and the working class. So, uh, in a sense, yes, it was extremely difficult to be making that particular call. What role did the events at Marikana have in the unfolding of this expulsion? I mean, how did it contribute to yeah. to this? You know, w- w- what has transpired? We've always said that uh, <clears throat> there were three things that uh, got us into the Special National Congress in December. Um, <clears throat> the first one uh, had been the Marikana Massacre. Um, in August of, I think, 2012, we, we did a very thorough analysis of what would have happened at uh, Marikana. And it was clear to us, and we said it so publicly, that uh, you had the arm, the arm of the state in the form of the police, coming out in defence of mining capital against um, the interest of workers. Supposedly, at the behest <coughs> of a former union man as well. Well, absolutely, absolutely, a union man that's uh, likely to become the president of the country um, post. Uh, uh, 2019, uh, a union man that continues to have business interest, and uh, and this is this is where we think we we moving very dangerously towards the cliff, because what you what you would see is uh, a representative uh, of capital, and and you can probably rightfully say who would become the. Um, CEO of uh, South Africa Inc. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one, besides Marikana, was the National Development Plan. Kweri um has this illusion that the 
the National Development Plan gives expression uh, to the Freedom Charter. It is, it is wishful thinking because the National Plan does absolutely nothing to change the economic ownership and control of, uh, uh, of our economy. Um, and the third um, reason was the privatization of our public roads. Um, here you have a company, uh, a foreign uh, company, I think it's from Norway or thereabout, uh, who has a massive stake in the etolls in Gauteng. Mm. And we could not believe, I mean, that for us was something that goes against one of the clauses in the Freedom uh, Charter that says that the citizens of the country must be able to move from village to village, countryside to countryside, freely so. Um, and I think that was the, that was the defining moment um, which brought us to the NUMSA Special National Congress. So, since the National Congress and since taking the decision to break with the ANC, things <coughs> have kind of gone downhill for the ANC in terms of the performance in the May election, the fact that they uh, plunged so significantly in Gauteng, um, but also uh, the image of the president uh, with regard to the Nkandla scandal. Um, you, NUMSA hasn't said much of it, but... Uh, you seem to have made the break at the right time so that you're not associated with what has been happening. Because if you were still in Kosatu, like the rest of the Kosatu leadership, you either have to keep quiet mm. and, and subtly consent to mm. what's happening mm. or try and defend it. Yeah. So you made the move at the right time. Do you think you're on the right side of history on this? We think so. A, a question that we're posing to Kosatu, the party and the ANC today, is... Can you not confirm that new liberal policy under Tabo Mbeki has continued under Jacob Zuma? Can you not confirm that there is no basis why you should not remove or ask for the resignation of Jacob Zuma like you have done in the case of Tabo Mbeki? Tabo Mbeki's biggest scandal would probably be his AIDS denialism. Um, but certainly at uh, at the moral level have not gone to the extent of the kind of scandals you would have seen committed by Jacob Zuma as a president of, of this country. And, and, and what it tells us, and it must tell the broader society, that in the ANC at the moment, your future, your political future is at the behest of Jacob Zuma. If you speak out today in the ANC, NEC, for example, you're gone. You have no political future. If you in the SACP would take a critical stance against the conduct of the president, you would see the removal of many of those who are very comfortable in provincial legislatures, in cabinet, and so on. So, so what you have is a number of uh, strikers and defenders for Zuma uh, in the interest of, uh, of uh, well, one should say for self-interest. Yeah, their own interests, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And their own political future. Absolutely. Um, which brings me back to the question around Cyril Ramaphosa. You know, one of the, probably the favorite to take over as the president of the country. And we've seen 
um, you know, the, his involvement in Marikana. Uh, and, and it always strikes me as very strange, this perception, and, and I, I don't know, maybe it's the capitalists in this country mm. who are, you know, almost crying out for for someone like him to take over. And maybe it's because we've seen what has come before us that we, we, we think he could be a savior. But you mm. look at uh, the events of Marikana and his involvement there, his statements yesterday with regards to uh, opposition parties and members of parliament um, should show respect to the ANC mm. and, and to the president in parliament. And you kind of get this, you, you're not quite sure whether he's just looking after that self-interest now or he actually has the qualities that we look for in a president. I mean, his stock um, in the eyes of NUMSA especially mm. must have fallen dramatically over the last uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, do you get that sense as well? I mean, that's I mean, my personal view of this sort of quandary that he finds himself in. Do you speak out and then get your political head chopped off uh, or you bide your time and then maybe implement you know, what you want to do and show that leadership once you are in power. What, what's your view and what's NUMSA's view on that? Well, I think that uh, we should look at the South African society as sometimes uh, very sentimental about things. Uh, people would, for example, remember who uh, was the chief negotiator in the Codesa Tomes. And so people would see him as a very seasoned a person who was able uh, to bring us uh, back from the brink of disaster. And so that would remain in the memory of people. Uh, people would know uh, going far back that Cyril, when he led the NUM, uh, led the biggest uh, miner strike uh, in South Africa. Uh, and so, again, that would uh, um, uh, stick in the memory of people. Uh, he has gone to Lesotho now, um, brokered a deal amongst the parties that will take uh, Lesotho to um, parliamentary elections. And so people can see from all um, classes, race and gender that this is his contribution. Uh, Marikana then comes and Marikana almost... Uh, is a wake-up call that perhaps, you know, our sentiments um, uh, are, are properly located, but it is dented uh, by this thing. Uh, Kusatu comes and he's unable to um, to get the, um, the factions uh, to work for cohesion and, and, and unity. Um, I think that business would be all too happy uh, to have him as as a as a president because he's got a very peaceful nature about himself. He's a very confident man. He's a very intelligent man. He can uh, bring people together. I mean, uh, Zuma, for example, in Parliament has run away since the bring back the money. Um, whereas Cyril, he was insulted and attacked on Marikana, had continued uh, to be in parliament to the point of uh, meeting the opposition. And so he's a diplomat, he's, 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 he's many things in one menu. Um, um, surprisingly, uh, I think the DA, when he becomes president, will probably if they're still the official opposition, 
would want to foster closer relationships because ideologically they share uh, the same perspectives. Now, when you when you talk about uh, you know Ramaphosa sort of going down easy with some constituencies, including business, that is the exact opposite how as to how some people view you and NUMSA. Um, because to an extent, NUMSA scares a lot of people because you're so militant. Uh, some of the strikes uh, that you've embarked on in recent years have turned uh, violent. Um, businesses have been damaged and people were hurt. So now you're on the brink of launching uh, a united front as well as possibly a, a, a workers' party. Mm. Uh, are you going to maintain that stance or do you think you would need to kind of uh, adopt some form of diplomacy? Well, for us as a trade union, we have got to remain true to the objectives and the aims of uh, our membership, which is about improving their conditions of employment, uh, getting better benefits and so on. You would be surprised that as a union how frequently we are in conversation with uh, captains of industry um, in the auto industry in the engineering industry and there is a common cause and uh, uh, common objectives with respect to um, um, industrialization and uh, there is agreement on a whole host of policy issues that we think government ought to introduce um, to to save uh, our manufacturing base in the country. Um, and so we, we, we make it a point that at that level we engage. Uh, when we talk about a radical um, and most resolute implementation of the Freedom Charter, I think that we, we're repeating what the ANC would have said in 1969, but from where they have now diverted. Um, we're making it a point that uh, we we interacting with communities uh, to bring to bring workplace issues and community issues uh, into into the same um, platform. For example, in March of this year, uh, we had huge support for our position to the Employment Incentive Tax Act, um, and that's that's the point we wanted to make. That if workplaces, the unemployed. Um, communities stand up to issues, whether it is uh, on Saturday there will be a march in uh, the Ukuleni area where the communities are saying, look, uh, we want this piece of land for, um, you know, a burial site. Numsa's there. And so we, we, we think that we, we, the need has arrived and the time has arrived for an alternative to the ANC. And let me say this, I have no illusion, NUMSA has no illusion that the ANC, albeit that it has seen a decline in electoral support since 1994, uh, it would uh, be very difficult. It would require hard work to unseat the ANC because people would remember who liberated them. You have only got to go next door to Mozambique. There's a decline for that liberation movement there, but they're still in power. So uh, I think we're under no illusion that uh, it will take extreme hard work. Nevertheless, we've come to the point where we say an alternative is necessary. And I think that there's, there's growing interest in what uh, we have proposed 
uh, both as a united front, which is nothing different to the United Democratic Front, which was not a political party, and to us exploring the establishment of a workers' party that can contest elections. One of the most um, I think obvious questions on everyone's lips is, is there common ground with the economic freedom fighters in, in terms of your trajectory? Um, you basically will be competing for the same constituency. There are some areas of commonality, um, but I think your leadership and the EFF leadership are made up of very, very strong personalities, and I'm not quite sure. <laughs> you know, Ivan Jim and Julius Malema on the same platform, um, you know, h- how that exactly will play out. What, what, uh, is there any thought into, in terms of what your relationship with the EFF should be? At, at the moment, we, we're interested in a relationship with all left political parties that um, uh, either subscribe to or believe uh, in a future uh, socialist uh, South Africa. Um, I must say that the EFF did not take kindly to our analysis of the economic freedom front. Uh, We did a very detailed analysis for our special national congress in December uh, 2013 where we basically consider uh, this notion of command structures and commanders. It is too militaristic. It does not suggest uh, internal democracy would flourish. Um, and, And I think you would have seen some incidents of elective conferences that became very violent. And and we think that, uh, you know, our violent past can't be uh, re-engineered. Um, so that's one. Uh, we, we would probably want to have a serious debate about the EFF's uh, nationalization demands. What exactly does it mean? Who stands to benefit? In whose class interest would that be? And so I can see a number of areas where we have disagreements, but a number of areas where we would have agreements. Uh, for our analysis of the EFF, they refused to come to the international symposium of left political parties we had, citing as a reason that uh, it was unfair of us to analyze them. Now, the minute that you (laughs) criticize me or anyone for making a conclusion about you or even examination of who you are uh, and you shout me down, I mean, it's it's a recipe. It doesn't at all. Uh, Secondly, the EFF had wanted one-on-ones with NUMSA and we felt at the time that we would not do so uh, what we want now, two things, uh, we are going to be convening, in fact, three things. One, a session with uh, all political parties in the country, and that would be EFF, WASP, PAC, Azapo, you mentioned them, into one room, so that we present what our thoughts are on the movement for socialism that we are exploring, Two, in February, we're inviting all of those parties to a conference on socialism. 
probably towards the end of January, we have a NOMSA parliamentary office and we want to invite, uh, except for the, um, the DA and those right-wing parties, all political parties in parliament to talk about what would be NOMSA's parliamentary office's input into some of the work that they do in parliament. So we, 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 we do not at this stage foresee bilaterals, but bringing everybody in the same room. Okay, so w- uh, while you're talking about the, the way forward, um, you mentioned at the press conference last week that you're not sure for now whether you are going to take your expulsion back to court. Uh, you're going to put that to your central committee, which I believe <coughs> is this weekend. And um, But the, are, are you on the ground at the moment you, uh, uh, consulting your structures on, on the way forward? Are you getting any sense of direction as to what that would be? I mean, are you going to still try and fight to stay within Kosatu, or is that water under the bridge now? Uh, can I tell you, and this is probably uh, uh, ahead of the meeting uh, of NUMSA, that with our interaction with the forces on the ground, meaning the members, the workers, there's a very strong feeling that uh, we must abandon these legal challenges. We must call it quits. We've come to the end of the road. And the leadership is explaining uh, many things about you know, how uh, we cannot allow Kusatu uh, to be hijacked. But I can tell you from the feedback we have been receiving, there's a very strong, in fact, a groundswell of saying, look, this is uh, the end It would for certainly us. make for some really awkward interactions uh, if you were to go back uh, after that, you know, after all this uh, malarkey in the public space. Um it would be so interesting to carry on the conversation. Yes. I mean, it's been incredible to get the insights into the backgrounds and that. Mm. And you know, uh, but our time is almost up. Uh, mm. Before we go, uh, a quick round the table. If uh, if fairy godmother or some magic entity came and said to you, you could choose the next president of South Africa um, with no uh, uh, cognizance of the existing, you know, percentages. If you could choose someone to lead the country going forward from the next elections. Calculator, who would you choose? Swellenzi Mavavi. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, and, and we would have loved to delve into what's next, you know, for Swellenzi Mavavi. I mean, we, we don't have time to do that. And, uh, um, you know, maybe that's a, a topic for, for another visit. Um, it's been really, uh, it's been really, Good to have you here and to hear mm. it's not often you get the opportunity to spend this amount of time to, to get what's going on behind the structures uh, and what's going behind, going on behind closed doors. So um, from the Daily Maverick and Cliff Central, I really want to mm. thank you for taking the time out of what must be an incredibly crazy time for you and, and all, all the other members of, uh, of NUMSA, so, uh, NUMSA. So thank you very much. We really do appreciate that. Uh, Ranjini, always good to have you back in studio and to have uh, your political insights and knowledge and guiding the conversation today. It's been uh, always an amazing experience. Again, um, you can catch the podcast of, uh, of uh, the Daily Maverick show on Cliff Central from the Daily Maverick website uh, or from the cliffcentral.com website. Uh, if you're not yet signed up to our newsletter, our daily newsletter, you can do so at Daily Maverick or under the Daily Dose at cliffcentral.com. Uh, from me, Stilly Sharalambos, uh, I look forward to being with you this time next week.